Welcome to the Daily Standard. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This podcast brought to you by SaneBox.com. Bring sanity back to that email. I know you think you'll never see the bottom of that email box again. Never get to inbox zero, but you can. And SaneBox will show you how more on that coming up. We're always delighted to welcome work slaving away in his law offices, uh, as he so often does, fighting the good fight uh, when he's not pushing the wheel at the Hoover Institute is our good friend Adam White. And Adam, what is that noise in the back? It sounds like birds oh. or something. <laughs> I'm on my back deck. I can step inside if you like. No, wait, wait, wait. You're on your... I, where, you're, what happened to slaving away for the cause of liberty and small government? Oh, I'm teleslaving. Wait, wait, do I, I, I slave from home. Do I hear... Is, is that a cigar? I can neither confirm nor deny, Michael. Wait, wait, wait. I'm here at the offices of the Weekly Standard getting glared at by Bill Crystal, and you're on your back deck doing this podcast with a cigar. Well, I feel like Bill is always sort of metaphorically glaring at me. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is just, just, you're a mean, you're a mean, mean person. That's all I have to say, Adam White. You're an attorney. What else do I need to know? You're an attorney. <laughs> Um, so, speaking of attorneys, uh, we now have nine justices on the bench. God is in his heaven. All is right with the world. A lot of talk about how uh, ju- excuse me, Justice Gorsuch was kind of a chatty Cathy on his first day. Well, he's certainly no shrinking violet. Uh, you're right. He heard his first oral argument uh, this week in a case called Perry versus Merit Service Review Board. It's the usual sort of Supreme Court um, fair. It's not a glamorous case about constitutional first principles or or things like that. It's a very technical dispute over how to read a statute governing uh, the jurisdiction of a federal court. But um, Justice Gorsuch, and I do like saying that, Justice Gorsuch, he spoke up about 15 minutes into oral argument, really pelting uh, the the, uh, the first lawyer in the case with questions, and, and in a very Scalia-like way, really pushing the lawyers to engage directly with statutory text and really driving them to focus on the precise meaning of statutory text. So in terms of a, of a maiden voyage at oral argument, uh, Justice Gorsuch does seem to um, reflect the, the textualism that he espoused uh, at his confirmation hearing and down the lower court. My favorite moment is when he looked at the lawyer and said, quote, wouldn't it be a lot easier if we just followed the plain text of the statute? How right. Gorsuchian is that? Right, right. And I, I want to get credit, even though I don't have a cigar and I'm working in a stuffy office, I'm the guy who invented the word Gorsuchian, and I want that want that duly noted, Counselor. Duly um, noted, for the record. Thank you, thank you very much. Is it unusual for a justice to kind of play at full speed on his first day, or, or, or is this the, uh, a media invention? You know, I don't know, actually. I mean, different okay. justices go about things different, differently. I don't recall... Justices Kagan or uh, Sotomayor being shrinking violets, and they've been very um, thoughtful and serious questioners uh, throughout their time on the court. You know, other justices by nature, Justice Thomas is traditionally very, very famously quiet. I suspect that um, Justice Gorsuch will settle into sort of a happy medium in between, but who knows? I guess that's sort of the excitement of having a new justice. And because he's a new justice, he has duties. I was surprised to learn this. I, I do know that the, the newest justices sit on the farthest end of the bench and the senior justices sit on either side of the chief justice. But also, he has to take over something like sandwiches? He has, what, he has to bring cookies? Something about like dining he's in charge of. Well, there's a couple of things. He is, as I understand it, as the junior most justice, he is in charge of the cafeteria for the Supreme Court, which is 
very exciting, I'm sure. Um, uh, and then in the justice. Wait, 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 wait. You say in charge of the capture. You don't mean like he's back there, like, you know, I need more potatoes. <laughs> he's, he's in charge of the menu or management or something. Well, no, you, you, he's, he's in charge of management, which I suppose means yeah. he doesn't actually have to do a whole lot. That is the definition of management. But, <laughs> but, um, but he's, each, each of the justices on the court has their own sort of bureaucratic responsibilities. And I mean, the oh. court is, you know, a functioning day-to-day office environment. And so the justices do have sort of less glamorous work. And Justice Gorsuch gets perhaps the least glamorous of all, maybe, maybe janitorial, I, I suppose, would be right up there. But he gets cafeteria duty. Now, the real fun is at the conference, the private conference the justices have where they discuss the cases, there's no one in the room but the justices. Right. Which means the junior most justice has to answer the door when the message comes in, has to get up and walk over. Um, <laughs> justice Breyer was the junior most justice for something like a decade. So wow. for a decade, he sort of had these these duties. Um, uh, other justices haven't had to endure them quite so quite so long, and, and hopefully Justice Gorsuch won't either. But for now, he is the junior most justice. and. I suppose, like all little brothers, the other justices will pick on him, steal his lunch money, and do other <laughs> such uh, things to him. Uh, so, so when you, so when the pizza arrives, he has to get up, go get it, give the guy his money, make sure he got a tip, make sure that there's a vegetarian only for Kagan. I get okay. We see that. We'll get back to the court and its non-sandwich related work in just a second. But first, I want to remind everybody that this podcast is sponsored by SaneBox.com, and I want you to visit SaneBox.com/slash/weeklystandard for two reasons: one, because it helps us and the podcast, so it's greatly appreciated. But more importantly, it helps you. Because if you're like me and you've lived for years with an out of control email where you never know who exactly sent what because you can't find it, you got too much stuff, you don't know where it's coming from, you can't keep track of it, SaneBox.com solved all those problems for me and it can for you too. And something important to note about SaneBox, it's not a new kind of email. You don't have to give up Google or Outlook or whatever you're using. SaneBox goes on top of of the email you use now. It manages your emails for you, brings sanity back to your email box so that you see the messages that you care about and the other junk disappears. And I mean literally disappears. They have this thing called the black hole. Move an email into that folder and you will never hear from that sender again. And so here's the deal we've got for you at SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard. You can try SaneBox for two weeks. That's all it's going to take. You're never going to want to live a SaneBox-free email life ever. After that, And when you decide then to buy SaneBox, you can get an additional $25 credit on top of that two-week free trial. You just have to go to the website, SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X, SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard. Let's get back to the court as we wrap up here. Big case this week uh, involving religious liberty. Uh, tell us just a little bit about it, and then what, if any, impact we expect Justice Gorsuch to have on it. Well, right, Michael, there's a pretty big case argued this week called Trinity Lutheran. It comes out of the state of Missouri. Missouri has a statewide program where schools and other playgrounds can get subsidized playground materials built out of um, scrap tires. And... Um, all organizations are able to apply for this program. Not everybody can get them because there's only so much scrap tire funding to go around, but but it is sort of open to all, except that the state of Missouri, the way they've administered the program, they are not allowing this church to receive the scrap tires for its, its playground. And this owes to a provision of the state constitution that bars the, um, the direction of, of state funds to churches and religious organizations. It's a feature found in many state constitutions. It's commonly referred to 
as the Blaine Amendment, dating back over a century to Senator Blaine and a very sorry um, episode in American history with the anti-Catholic discrimination that a number of states put wrote into their um, into their constitutions to prevent state funding to go to basically Catholics, and um, and so now you see a number of organizations, including uh, churches, sort of on the uh, non-Catholic churches on the receiving end of this. Now the argument that the state advances is that they withhold the funds from churches because they don't want to run afoul of, say, the Establishment Clause or those sorts of general principles. And they say that's what is informing this amendment. They don't want state funds going to a church. There's a long-standing body of precedent that recognizes that states can sort of extend generally available neutral program funding to religious organizations without um, running afoul of that. Um, But states can't discriminate against religion generally, but they can sort of, uh, this is where it gets messy, they can be a little bit more discriminatory in funds that go to, say, oh, supporting the education of, um, of aspiring theologians. And the state says that you know, they, they should be able to withhold this kind of funding because they don't want it to support the church. The church in response says, listen, there's no religious orientation to uh, preventing kids from scraping their knees on a playground, that there's no real justification here for discriminating against religion. And that's what the case is about. Well, it's interesting that it's the Blaine Amendment, because he is a notorious figure from political history who helped make Grover Cleveland our, our president the, for two non-sequential terms, the only one who did that. And I love the uh, nickname he had, James G. Blaine, the continental liar from the state of Maine. Who, wow. uh, Yeah, he was he was uh, nothing but trouble. He was, he was part of the fight. He was a Republican who labeled the Democratic Party the party of, quote, rum, Romanism, and rebellion. So there's your anti-Catholicism right there. Well, I guess that's the old saying that the disdain in Maine falls mainly on the blame. Exactly right. And I got to say, Rum, Romanism, and Rebellion sounds like a Saturday night to me, so I don't know what the problem was. But So there's been a lot of talk about Judge Gorsuch during the, excuse me, Justice Gorsuch, when he was still a judge, when we were having hearings. People kept talking about religious liberty being a you know, key component of his background. D- does that background apply? Do you, do you think that that's going to be an asset in resolving this case? Well, it's true. You know, Judge Gorsuch heard an early version of the Hobby Lobby litigation that ended up in the Supreme Court. And Judge Gorsuch's approach in that case, respecting the rights of, uh, of religious believers, uh, in that case, the Hobby Lobby Corporation and its owners, to not have to subsidize the contraception of their employees. You know, in that respect, there's a lot of reason to believe that Judge uh, Justice Gorsuch will... Um, his approach will be consistent with that of, say, Justice Alito and others on the court, perhaps Justice Scalia, who he's replacing. Although even Justice Scalia saw these things a little bit differently at the constitutional level than some other conservatives. It'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. I'm, I'm hopeful that Justice Gorsuch sort of continues to, um, to, to stand behind the body of precedence as it exists, which I think would entitle uh, Trinity Lutheran to be protected against this form of discrimination. But the first tips, the first clues will come at oral argument, um, and then a few couple of months later in, in the final opinions. Well, the first clue that I was not going to enjoy this podcast was when I found out that you're sitting outside on your deck listening to the birds and smoking a cigar. So I have to ask, what kind of cigar? 
Oh, I'm enjoying an Avo Synchro, a beautiful new cigar I just uh, discovered oh. by the recently deceased um, Avo Uvenesen, the jazz uh, songwriter, famously wrote the Sinatra song Strangers in the Night, and he makes some beautiful cigars. Well, enjoy your cigar. I'll get back to the uh, coal mines here of the Weekly Standard and, and get back to work. Adam White, seriously, thanks so much for joining us for the podcast. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Daily Standard podcast every weekday from the Weekly Standard. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast at iTunes.com or Google Play. Give us a five-star rating. Let people know you found out about it. Leave a review. We want to hear from you. And don't forget, every Friday, it's the Crystal Clear edition of the podcast with Bill Crystal. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Michael Graham.